in a world where... Nah, this ain't that kind of podcast. Let's be honest, the world doesn't need another podcast where we ask the same old questions to the same successful people. You're listening to the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. Grab a seat at the table as Nev and his guests dig into the challenges that successful agencies and freelancers have overcome to achieve their success. There's no script, and Nev's insatiable curiosity and ADD can take the conversation anywhere. So let's get real and have some honest talk, lots of laughs, and some helpful insights into what it really takes to create more profit and impact in your business. Welcome back to another episode of the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. My guest today is one I'm really excited about. It's Dana Molstaff. She is founder of Boss Mom and creator of the Nurture to Convert Society. She is a mother, an author, a podcaster, a contest strategist, a template architect, blind spot reducer, engagement facilitator, and a movement maker. She helps moms with beautifully unpredictable schedules grow successful and sustainable businesses that don't take up all their time and keep working even when they have to step away to be a mom or any other important role. Uh, a couple other uh, qualifications she has is a dear friend of mine and um, happens to be my business coach for the last about year and a half and Neff Harris would be nowhere without Dana. So thank you for joining us, Dana. <laughs> Say hi. Hi, thanks for, thanks for having me. Those are, those are kind words, Neff, kind words. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, Dana, you're in the lovely area of San Diego, aren't you? So I am. Always perfect weather and no humidity. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, and you, but we get acclimated just like anybody normalizes it. So, you know, when it's slightly gloomy, we feel like, you know, the world is ending when there's a drizzle. Nobody can drive. There's accidents everywhere. So it, 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 we all we all sort of acclimate to the environments we are in. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, here it's 97 degrees and like 110 percent humidity. So it's just like, yeah, I'm totally spoiled to a soup outside. And I've lived in Virginia <laughs> and Texas and Indiana and Ohio and Illinois and all like a lot of different places. And um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a pretty interesting background. Um, you said all these places you lived and everything like that and how you came about to having for those who don't know, Dana has an amazing Facebook group, one of the most uh, highest engagement Facebook groups that Facebook has. She has what, 60,000 some members and over 70% engagement. Yeah, yeah, so. we, we get about, uh, depending on the season, somewhere between 100 and 200 people asking to join a day. So we, we by the time whenever this airs, um, be 62,000 or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, we get about a hundred posts a day. We get about 5,000 posts a month. Um, we get somewhere between a hundred thousand and 200,000, um, comments and engagements, um, a, a month. So it's a very highly, uh, highly engaged group and, and it's full of amazing women that are, that are trying to build something, in the midst of the chaos of being a parent. <laughs> and that's how Boss Mom all started for you, right? It was in the midst of the chaos of starting to be a mom and wanting to be a business. Yeah. We so, had a business. So funny part is, is I'm sitting here right now and both my kids are home because it's summer. So um, I, I have an, a six-year-old and eight-year-old and my daughter's doing crafts and my son's at a friend's house. But even though I've said I'm going to be on this interview, he's already come in twice. You know, she's informed me, <laughs> whispered to me while you were introducing me that our glue, glue, glue gun has, uh, you know, gone kaputs and we need to now purchase another one. She just wanted me to know, just, just so I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> to put it on the Amazon list. And, and, and I thought about it, I was getting on and I was like, I don't feel like this is much different than the distractions of when I was in corporate America, right? The people coming into your office, constantly being emailed meetings, being meeting to death, right? Uh, you know, people being offended mm -hmm. if you're, if you're like, oh, I don't have time to do that thing with you. And so there's this, this culture that you have to to, to work around because other human beings are involved. And when we become parents, 
other human beings are involved 24 hours a day. Like you don't get a break for the other human beings being involved. Like you get to go home from your coworkers. You do not get that from your kids. So when I was in corporate America, humans were, you know, bumping into each other and a husband and wife um, that owned the, the last company that I worked for were getting a divorce. And there was a big schism that was happening between people he'd hired and people she hired. And she was the one that was going to stay the CEO and he was going to go start his own thing. And so we knew, I knew I was going to be one of the people that eventually just kind of got let go. And so I proactively, my, the biggest, like one of the biggest, scariest moments of my life, I proactively went and um, told the guy who was kind of doing all that they brought in to manage this situation. Um, I said, let's go to lunch. Let's talk about this. And I mean, I'm like every wit about me. I'm, I am, I am on the verge of tears, a hundred percent of this entire lunch to tell him like, I see what's happening. I see the writing on the wall. Like, can we, let's work something out so that my, I can like do a good transition through my team, do a 90 day plan. And then I will just, I will resign. And so, um, he was like, I, you know, I love that you're, this is, you're being proactive about this. And, and, you know, and so we worked out this 90 day plan. So it'd give me 90 days to go find something. Uh, and, and what ended up happening was over those 90 days, I was interviewing and there was only one real company that I thought was fun enough. Cause I like to have fun to work at. And I got to the very last interview or the very last, uh, yeah, basically like it was between me and one other guy and they call me up and they're like, this other guy had this experience that you didn't have, but we really wish we had two positions because we just want, we love to have you here. And, uh, and it, that's when it dawned on me that if I had my own consulting business, then they could have two people because you don't have to have a full position to bring somebody in for a project. And I wouldn't have to be beholden to them. I could find other people to, I could date around, right? I wouldn't have to be monogamous. <laughs> and, and I think that was the, that was the moment when I realized instead of having a job, I wanted more control over what I was going to, you know, who I was going to work with and what I was going to do. And so the last night, New Year's Eve, we all went out to celebrate my leaving the company and I was going to start my own business. Um, and we all went out and they bought me shots of tequila and I got pregnant by my husband. I was married at the time, <laughs> um, which is, you know, everybody's like, Oh my gosh. But, but if you don't know where babies come from, then you're never going to have enough, you know, chutzpah to run a business. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so I then had, was pregnant and starting a business at the same time. And, and for any, uh, you know, for, for women, they will understand just the sheer fear and uncertainty of being pregnant. And it's, and it's very similar to entrepreneurship because it's so unknown. You cannot read enough books about what it's like to have your own business or what it's like to have a right. baby to ever prepare you for what's about to happen. And at least half of the time during your pregnancy, you're regretting what you've done and you're realizing you can't take it back. <laughs> right. And, and, and after you've had the baby and after you started the business, at least half of the time you contemplate going back and getting a job or, you know, like giving your, the, the baby to your mom and being like, I'll just be back in like a year. <laughs> I had some time to sleep <laughs> and any parent who says an entrepreneur who says they've never thought that I'm just going to say, I think they're lying because both of those things are super, super hard. And it took me until my son was about five months and I moved out from Columbus, Ohio to San Diego um, to see, to be surrounded by other moms who, and other people who were just starting businesses and doing what I was trying to do to realize that I was not crazy. I was not crazy for feeling like it was hard, but not wanting to give up. Like I was not crazy for yeah. wanting to figure out what it was like, like in the traditional sense, most people had an idea. They fleshed out the idea for a really long time. They got capital, right. And infused money in, and then they, they did the idea and then they mm -hmm. put it out to the world. But now we have the ability to actually go into the market, market research in places like Facebook groups and, you know, and talk to people and make money right. while you are figuring it out. There is a make money and figure it out simultaneously situation. And so clarity is in the doing clarity is in the process and making money is in the process. And it's different than it used to be 30 years ago. And that's really scary because you constantly feel like you don't know what you're doing because you're learning as you're doing and you're getting people to pay you and then pay you more and more and more as you incrementally 
become better at what you do. And we think of it in this really scary, scary way, but it's no different than a career. The difference is a career. It takes you 20 years to get to a trajectory that you may never, you may never reach and owning your own business. It feels way scarier, but you can do it a lot faster. And so ultimately I, I ended up writing the book boss mom and started helping moms who feel just like I did when I got started um, to build better businesses so that they can actually get to the sustainable part of a business and the less feeling like maybe there's something wrong with them um, and more of the enjoying your kids cuddles and less of the being tired and frustrated. Um, and, and yeah, that's how, that's how everything kind of came about. And, you know, we've just been boss momming everything ever since. Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I think you, you had a lot of interesting points there. A lot of uh, when, when you were talking about how you were taking on this business where you didn't have to, where you're kind of bootstrapping a business from the beginning and, and all, all the risk you were taking, but all the freedom you could get from that. Well, and that you had money coming in. Well, the problem I see a lot of times and see, see if you see, if you see this is I always say, if the pricing isn't right, the business isn't right because everything you said there relies on having profitable pricing. So do you, do you, do you see anything along those lines? Oh yeah. I mean, women, and this is a overgeneralization because not all women are alike. There are women that, you know, grew mm-hmm. up like me with a dad who is in sales and, you know, and I learned a lot of things. And even then I've, I've grappled with pricing. I think everybody does. Um, but, but most women, we yearn to nurture Right. And we want to be loved. Like, I, I, I don't care what any any actually most people, but but men have a different version of what being loved looks like usually. Uh, and and so women want <laughs> to be women want to be loved. I mean, men generally want to protect and they want to feel needed, but women want to feel loved. They're just they're just two two things. And, and both are really, really important. And we, if we ignore them in our business, then it's really hard to run a business because if we, if we ignore it, then women tend to undercharge. They tend to give away stuff for free because the world has told them that you should want to help people and taking money makes, takes away the fact that you're helping. Now it becomes this selfish thing and you can't help. It can't be a reciprocal you know, there can't be reciprocity there. Uh, it has to either be you give until you're crying on the bathroom floor or it's not real giving. And so I think yeah. we've been taught a lot of things about money and about pricing. And so women naturally um, have a really hard time. Most women have a really hard time charging. We don't want to feel pushy, right? Because we don't want to feel that way. Right. We don't, we want people to like us. Like we want every, I mean, this is a general, this is just a woman thing. We want people to like us. I don't want to be unliked. And, and everybody has told you that salespeople are unlikable. You're a used car salesman. Well, a lot of people still need used mm-hmm. cars. Like they're performing a service. <laughs> Actually, I would argue that a car is a depreciating asset. And if you bought a new car, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't buy the new car salesman, that they're worse than the used car salesman. Right. Um, yeah. And so we've been, right, we've been right. taught all these things about money and what money means that money is um, if you make too much of it, that makes you bad. And if you, you know, if you let people pay you, even if you're providing a service, then, then you're not really being helpful. Now it's a completely different transaction. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology behind that. There's a really great book called predictable irrationality. And, um, it's a brilliant, brilliant book, but it talks about, uh, the marketing uh, agreement and the, and the social agreement, right. And the market, the social agreement is mm-hmm. I want you to, uh, help me come over and move and move all my furniture. And at the end of the day, I go, Oh my gosh, you are the most amazing friend ever. I've got this bottle of wine and we're going to sit on my patio. We're going to drink and, and talk <laughs> about the day and just, you know, just be hang out together. Um, or Hey, move all my stuff. And at the end of the day, I give you 20 bucks and say, you're amazing. Right. The interestingly, the twenty dollars makes the person realize how much more work they did that is worth way more than twenty dollars. Right. And it makes there it creates a resentment for the it breaks the social contract and now makes it a business marketing contract. And the other one solidifies the social contract that friends do things for each other. And so we grapple constantly in our lives and our businesses as women with the way that we price 
balancing the social and the business contract. And the problem is, is that most women think in social contract. Most women think in you need, you knock on my door and you need some eggs. I give you some eggs. And then when I knock on your door and I need some sugar, you give me some sugar. Right. And, and that goes back to a very like long time ago when we had communities and neighbor neighborhoods. Um, but, but women think that way, which means then if I start asking you for money, it has changed our relationship and we no longer can be friends. We can no longer have and it. So it's, it's really just messed up most women for running businesses because there's extremely talented women that aren't charging the amount and there's extremely talented women that are going after a market that won't pay them because they feel like it's the market that needs them the most, but it's the market that's in survival mode and doesn't have the mental, financial, emotional resources to actually say yes to giving them money. So you just have a, a ton of women going around starting businesses, feeling like there's something wrong with them. I don't even know if that was your question, but you got me all ranty on that one. (laughs) <laughs> no that was that was a uh, i love your rants they're always so inspiring <laughs> but <laughs> so sure we'll actually, go with that funny funny about rants <laughs> the um the whole idea for profit and impact came about when we were talking about how i think people don't can't understand their money and they actually can it's just not their fault. They can't, it just never was clearly explained to her. And I went on a whole rant about this and I started mm-hmm. talking about capitalism and how it's been misused and profit and how like to profit more, make more impact. And he says, Nev, right there. You said from that, from this big rant I had, that's how, that's how the whole profit and impact started, came about. So rants are good. I like uh, Yeah. Rants. And I love the way you so. think about that because I do think it's true. I think the problem with social media is that there are fringe there's just one problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, but there's fringe, there's outliers, right? So, so the, and the problem with social media is that it makes those outliers seem like the majority. So whether you're talking about politics, Mm -hmm. religion, whatever, but when we're talking about business, there are fringe outlying companies that are crap. They don't care about their employees. They care mm-hmm. about the profit. They do things that, that are just not good business practices. They you, like, I like you talk about how they're thinking in the short term versus the long term gain of the company versus, you know, uh, the long term gain for everybody. And, and so those people are the ones that are people write stories about and everybody gets angry about. And so those are the ones that have the most voice. They have the most, you know, things online that are people are discussing. And therefore people think that's the norm. So every, it happens all the time with every single topic there is to be had. People are like, well, then every company must be just like this, good or bad, yes. or every person or everything or every situation must be just like this. Cause I saw it online two or three times. And you're like, there are millions of companies out there. <laughs> just like there are people, millions yeah. upon millions of people that are good people. Right. Like if you if you really wake up every morning and believe that most people are just out to hurt you and out to to do things bad to you and be malicious for their own gain, then it's going to be really hard to live any semblance of a happy life. Because that's just not true. Most people bump into each other and we make mistakes and we do things. And and then there are a tiny, tiny percentage of people who use other people and are just crappy human beings running crappy businesses. But that's not the majority. So we need to have more podcasts like this, have more people like you, help more entrepreneurs so that we can have more of the voice that says, no, 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 hold, hold your horses, hold the phone. (laughs) <laughs> There's really great people out there trying really hard to build great businesses and yes, having profitable businesses where they are also doing well for themselves and their family. And like you say, with, with having more profit, you are able to actually impact more people to donate more, to do more um, in your communities, for your families, for the world and those kinds of things. And there has to be more of that in the world so that it doesn't feel like the people that are on these outliers are the norm. Like we've got to change what people think are the norm because capitalism is a beautiful, beautiful thing um, when implemented correctly. And most of the world implements it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I call implementing correctly a compassionate capitalism. I know, which I love. (laughs) But I think you make it, (laughs) 
<laughs> I think you make an interesting point here. Um, I always say that if your pricing is right, a lot of times, and I don't know if you see this in, in your community, people have this, even if your pricing is right, they have this desire to care. And if, if, if I gave, if I, if I sold you uh, one service and I'm like, ah, oh, man, you really need this service. Well, maybe, and I give it back to you, maybe you can't afford that service. So I started doing it for free and you get into like a whole scope creep kind of thing that I think uh, like kills people's profits instead of being really profitable in one is for agency owners, instead of being really profitable doing one thing and then being able to give, they want to be, they want to create maximum impact for everybody. And they water down what they have to offer and they water down their profits. So they really can't make much of an impact at all. Yeah. It, and it's do you, hard. Do you see that kind of scope? I, I see it all the thing? time. I, I do. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard. Um, and, and part of the challenge is that most people do want to help other people, right? Most you see somebody in a business, then if you're, if you're B2B, right? It's a little bit different from B2C because you're generally selling a product, you're selling something. And that's, so that's a little bit easier to, you know, to not, not get into this, but from a B2B standpoint, especially for agency owners, right? You see it and you're like, oh my gosh, you have mm -hmm. so much potential. If I, I mean, I say this all the time, like yes, if you just potential. gave me, if you just gave me your business for a year, I would freaking. I'd blow it out of the water because my expertise is marketing and sales, messaging, positioning, like all of those things that are meant to help businesses grow. And I see people come in and their specialty is, you know, helping um, mothers and daughters have better relationships, how to ensure that you don't, uh, you know, grow, raise an aggressive son, like how to actually get your baby to sleep at night so you can be happier, how to learn a new language, how to teach your kids music, how to like all these beautiful things that I know nothing about. Right. Actually, I get to learn about them because people pay me to learn about their business and then how to market. And it's, I, I get this whole <laughs> education that for, where people pay me to get this whole education. Um, but, the, but they have that expertise. Their expertise is not the marketing sales. So if you're in business helping other businesses, you, you look at them and you go, I know exactly what you can do. Right. But there's a, there's a reason why we all make fun. Mm -hmm. We make fun of therapists, right. That, that the joke is they sit you on the couch and then they ask you questions and they go, what, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Yeah, exactly. How do you feel about that? And for us entrepreneurs, we go, just tell me what to do. The problem is, is you weren't going to do it anyway because our brains don't work that way. Right. Because you constantly go, well, I, I would, but I don't believe that that's really possible. Or I don't know that that's true because if we all actually truly just needed to be told what to do, then we would get things done and we would all be successful. But that's not what happens because we're human beings with emotions and hormones and families and weather, and, you know, and all the other things that affect our ability to get things done. And so I think if we stopped for a moment and said, instead of saying like, I'm going to help this, so this is what I have to do for myself in order for me to not scope creep. Cause I, I do, I, I want to be helpful and I want to go, well, let me just add that. On. Let me just add that on. Let me just do this for you. Right. So if I, if I can't do that, like I, if I don't want to do that things more than I could handle, then I have to stop and I have to go, if I gave them that extra thing and I did it for free, right? Two things. One is, will they actually implement it in the way that they can be successful, right? Can they do it now? If I gave it to them now, would that, would they be able to do it? Or is it, is it past their ability right now and where they are in their hierarchy of needs, right? So would it, would it just, I'd be giving it to them, but then it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. And then number two is if I give it to them and they're, and we're trying to implement it together, but I gave it to them for free or, or at a discount or whatever it is. And this is the big one that I know you've talked about. Are they going to assume that it was supposed to be as valuable as, you know, uh, as whatever they right. have in their mind. And now I think I gave it to them for free, but they have an expectation as if they paid for it. And now all of a sudden I feel like I'm giving everything and more and they feel like it's the status quo. And now, now we have a crappy relationship. Right. And that's what I do because what, it, what, what motivates me often and what motivates a lot of women often isn't money, which is what makes it hard. Right. For the people where money is their motivator. Right. Oh, exactly. I'm so people jealous of those people. I'm so jealous because you wonder what they do. They make a crap ton of money. <laughs> For those of us that have other motivations, like I'm just, I just, I don't, 
I, I have money. I make money. I believe there's, I have a good abundance mentality. Um, but I don't, I don't like how ha- I don't yearn for the next dollar. Like I want to play, you know, my son just got Stratego and we're trying to figure out how the heck to play that game. I love that game. That was my favorite. They were giving, game. It was at his school. They were giving it away. I was like, I've heard of this game. Let's see if we can figure it out. And so, um, yeah. And so, so I have to, what, what motivates me is my relationships right? And how I'm perceived, how people perceive me, um, which is tough because I should have my own identity on its standalone and nothing should be able to, you know, but I'm a human being and I give a crap what people think about me. Right. And so that's what I have to do Mm -hmm. is if I give this away, if I undercharge, if I do scope creep, then this relationship will not end well. Right. And then, and if I tell myself that, that if I do that, then I will end up being resentful. They will end up wanting things that I don't, you know, that's even above and beyond because I'm going to create a new status quo for us. And this relationship is going to end where they're unhappy and I'm unhappy. And that's what we're going to think about each other for the rest of our lives. When I say that, then all of a sudden I go, Oh, that would be a terrible idea, Dana, because I really like this person. (laughs) I really want to have a great relationship with them. So how can I serve them in a way where Mm -hmm. I can keep a a good integrity of the relationship? And that helps me keep that from that scope creep and from that offering too low a price. And also, by the way, there's an opportunity cost, which is a a big it's a big thing. If I take somebody here at this price, right, because I care about them then I don't have time for this person over here that was going to pay me full price. Right. And, and it's, my mom got married when she was 18 and my dad, um, who's no longer with us, but he was her Morris code teacher in the, or the, he was the Morris code, like assistant to the teacher, or whatever in the army. And my mom told me that she said yes, when he asked her to marry, because she thought nobody else would ask her. And my mom is a lovely yeah. creature that would have, many, many suitors, you know what I mean? And, and to believe that that's what we believe as entrepreneurs. So I've got to take this because I don't know who my next client would be. Well, your next client is going to be a better fit. And when you make more money and you, and you, and you have more profit, then we can do like what I do now, which is a, a we have a scholarship program. So now I've got a, a membership site. And when somebody comes to me and says, oh my gosh, okay, what is there any advice you can give me so that I could have enough money to, to do this program? And then we have scholarship programs. So we'll be like, we'll come in, we'll give you three months for free. And we do this, we don't advertise this everywhere. And it depends on kind of how they come in. It's just, it's an intuitive thing or somebody I see out in the market where I'm like, come in, do this. And we treat them as if they are complete members and we have a certain number of those programs. And then all we ask is that once they've gone through and they are, you know, and they generally make enough money to continue to be members, um, that they pay it forward, that the next time they are in that situation and they have enough space because they're making enough money to not worry about it anymore, that they have, mm-hmm. and the scholarship does not take more of my time or effort. I can still serve all of my clients, but I've created a program yeah. that I can then give them that they can use. And if they use it correctly and then that, and then I can be giving and I can, I can expand that. And now we're having a whole internship program that we're developing specifically for single moms because they are a market that we want to help. And we want to help single moms come in and learn trades because it's really hard to have a job and a kid and get them to school and do all those things. If you had your own business and had that flexibility, being a single mom becomes a lot more manageable. And so I have a soft spot because I'm a single mom. And so now I have enough space in the business to say, well, let's do an internship program that specifically revolves around single moms. I couldn't do that if I was in the survival mode because I wasn't charging enough money or making enough money. I, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I can't imagine being a single mom. I, I Waking up and feeding myself is, is enough struggle. <laughs> That's two things I have to get right in a short period of time in the morning. Well, it's and funny. I don't actually feed myself. I feed the children that I just eat whatever they don't finish. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually how I stay, how I stay skinny is I just, I just only eat their leftovers. It's a, it's a, it's a tactic that works. Brilliant. I mean, we should come up with the, the, the Dana diet. So, it involves um, a, a, no, I, a pinch of laziness. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love what you just said there. It's, 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 it's so many points are so true right there. It's just, you know, if, 
uh, like you became profitable so you can become charitable. You didn't start a charity so that you could give back because what I always say is if you start a charity, you better get used to the fact that you want it, that you need to be to, for your charity to make a difference. You need to be a fundraiser. If you become profitable, you could be the philanthropist. You could be calling the shots for whatever you want to do instead of, you know, begging the people who are calling the shots for the money. So, and I just think it's just people think I'm going to be a charity. I'm going to be able to do all this good. No, you're going to spend all this time kissing butt. You you have to be profitable first. You have to be profitable first. And and I just wanted to say too, that part of why podcasts like this are so important is because this, I didn't wake up believing this. I didn't think this, I had to have colleagues and mentors and, and see other people struggle, not doing this. I had to, I had, I had to see a lot of it and experience a lot of it and be reminded all the time. I spent several years not being like this. And I even have to check myself now, right. To make sure I'm building a business where profitability is because I can't pay my team if I'm not profitable. Right. And I can't pay myself if I'm not profitable. And then I can't do other things and develop other things to be more. I have ideas five years from now for things I want to build that involve needing money. And, and I, yeah, so it's like, but, but I didn't, I just Mm -hmm. want people to know uh, it's not like there's some secret group of people that just think like this. Right. Like most people have to hear podcasts like this over and over and over again. You have to uh, like I literally have been, um, you know, have rituals to remind myself. I have a you know, I was last night going in and being like, what are my goals? And then doing the visualization of, okay, what is it that I want? Why do I have these goals to make sure I actually attain them? Because in the summer I go on vacation and do all these things. And then, and then I, I start to not be so goal driven and I stop start not wanting to work, you know, and I have to remind myself, I, I actually changed my alarm clock. It used to be just, you know, like it goes off and it was a song or something like that. And I actually downloaded um, one of those like motivational speeches off iTunes. That's about commitment. That is about determination. That is about like, you don't, it was somebody, it was like, you know, one of those men that is like Goggins, like uh, that, that is, you know, it's got yeah. the music in the background. And it's yeah. like, you will never achieve if you don't do, you know, like you've got to wake up every morning and that kind of like totally inspiring makes you want to, you know, punch a punching bag and you know, Rocky style out, out on the stairs. And I changed that to my alarm because I (laughs) I feel like the summer makes me sort of lackadaisical. Right. And so, and so I'm like, well, I got to get back into it. Like I got where labor day is a big mom is our mom new year's, right. The kids go back to school. And so I had to take action to read books change my alarm clock, get an accountability partner, right? Ha- talk to people and constantly say like, remind me of what's important. And, and if y- people that are listening to this, don't, don't already do a lot of these things, then don't just think you're going to naturally do them. Listen to this podcast every single week, like go in and get Nev's stuff uh, and, you know, and, and practice it, like put it into your daily rituals because we don't believe these things naturally. We have to condition ourselves to believe these things. And then we change to what I call uh, we do. We I like the, the fundamentals part of our membership. We have, we talk about the stages of norm, which is, you start to normalize making more money. You start to normalize having more time and space. You start to normalize. So your hierarchy of needs change um, and what you believe is true and what you believe is possible and what you believe is essential changes as you incrementally move up into the development of your business and development of your family and all and development of yourself. And so we have to start conditioning ourselves like you would for a marathon to move up that thing because being profitable and being impactful does not just happen because you wake up and you go today I'm going to be profitable and impactful like we have to incrementally get there and incrementally surround ourselves Mm -hmm. with the people that believe that and and for them to constantly remind us that that is true otherwise social media and the rest of the world and that you know mother-in-law or that friend you know at work or or whatever is going to tell you that it's not possible it's not true and all of those things and they will win and so it's like you have to you have to deluge yourself like drown yourself in the kind of (laughs) talk energy belief system you know all of those things that you want or else you're just not going to get it because there's too much out there telling you it's easier to not do anything um and and that you know and that you deserve to not do anything and that the world should just hand you stuff 
And that just isn't true. Mm-hmm. People yeah. don't even feel fulfilled that way. They've statistics, they've studied, done Not studies to show it. So, so make sure that you aren't just listening to this once go out and douse yourself in these ideas. And then one day you'll wake up and, and just start running your business the right way because you are creating a, an environment where the world you want to live in is true for you. Yeah. I, I read so many books a month, so many podcasts, so many articles, everything like that. Then when we work together, I just love the thing. I love working about you working with you the most is it's just, you know, you have the strategy element on lock and you have the uh, fundamentals and the tactics on lock, but it's your different perspective and how you could even be talking about things that I might say real talk. You could be talking about things that I might've heard a bunch of times, but never clicked for me to take an action on. And then you're like, Nev, here's what we're going to do. X, Y, and Z. Here's what we're going to do. Here's my little twist on them. And I'm like, you know, and I'm like, you know what? I might have heard that like a dozen times, but until the way you put it, until the way you put it into action and tell me this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do right now. I had an ex-girlfriend that, you know, she used to get, you know, like she'd be like, all you do is sit there and read, 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 read books. It's, are you ever doing anything with the stuff you're reading? And that's where you um, uh, really help me out. And I think that's where your society really comes in. The nurture to convert society it is absolutely for 47 dollars a month for for <laughs> you agency owners out there her market is completely different okay so you're gonna go in it's gonna be it's gonna be about moms and stuff like that it's gonna have that branding but for 47 dollars a month this is an absolute steal i've been in programs that cost over 500 dollars a month and there is more value in this thing i mean it, it gives you everything from the ground level stuff to the really advanced stuff and it's tr- it's not like um, not that I'm doing a sales pitch here because she's offered me affiliate commissions before. And I say, no, I will not take them because I just really feel passionate about what she does. I mean, it, 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 and it's, it's, it's all battle tested stuff that Dana grew this huge, massive business out of, but there's a second point I wanted to talk about that you brought up, um, that I absolutely love this. So, uh, you're talking about that. You didn't, you weren't born this way. You didn't start with this. You have to constantly be reminding yourself of this. See, like creatives. They're always agency owner types, creative, always told that they're bad with money, that they can't understand their money. And like, you know how I feel about it. I've said in the beginning, it's not your fault. You don't understand your money. It was never clearly explained to you. Mm-hmm. How do you see that unfolding in your community? Yes. Which by the way, I've got a daughter who is sniffling over on the couch. I don't know what she, she says she's not hurt. So I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what's. Well, I'm just going to jump aside. Jump aside. One of my favorite things when we started working together very first, it was right when the pandemic started, right when, when homeschooling started. And so Dana had to have her kids around. I don't have kids or anything like that. And so I got, I got a real kick out of how tortured she was. And I actually missed the kids when they weren't there anymore. Okay. Because okay you need to, you need to link in the show notes. There is a Saturday night live skit with Will Ferrell. If you just Google Will Ferrell and get off the shed. Okay. okay. And it's, he's, he's got, it's like just him. You can't see anything else, you know, and his, his wife or his friends come up and he's grilling and he's like, Bobby, Bobby, get, get off the shed, get off the shed. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the golf. And they're talking about get off the shed. And he's like, and I feel like that's the thing. Like when we like, like you and I are in this zoom box where you see this box. And then all of a sudden you see my arm like snapping over here being like, no, or, or I'll be like, get off the shed. <laughs> that is so, it's so true. Or half the time I'll be like, there's a child literally staring at me being like, I want a snack. And I'm like, you got arms. I gave you two of them. <laughs> what, what do you need my arms for to do this? Yes, it is. Um, it is a whole, it's a whole thing. And it's, and it's tough because, because we love our kids, you know what I mean? And it's, it's hard because you want to get things done, but, but also the urge to allow your children to be a form of procrastination is very large. Like I could be like, yes, it's important that we snuggle right now and watch this movie together. But to be perfectly honest, half the time, it's not like, like it's not a time when I've already cuddled with them eight times and like me going and doing so. So I think we also have to be careful that we don't, use our kids as a form of procrastination, as an excuse to not get things done. And it's hard. You have to check yourself because there's times when you go, no, it is not an excuse. My kids are very important right now and I need to, to do this. And I want to create space to play Legos with my son or do this thing. 
But but no, now is this time where where they can be on their own and it's important that they're on their own and I force them to be bored or do whatever and give myself this time. It's it's a constant figuring out what that looks like for each individual, but I do challenge everybody to do that. Okay, so you you had asked about being lied to about being explained money in the wrong way. Yeah, reiterate the question Mm -hmm. so I can actually answer it in a way that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, just like what I see in our industry is uh, the creative people being told their whole life that they can't understand money. Mm, And that, and so they have these beliefs that, you know, when they miss out on a really powerful tool for growing their, not only their profit, but their impact. How do you see that playing out in your world? Well, I mean, people will tell you all the time that women are told they don't, they're not good at math. Um, I, I think that it depends on the family you're in and it depends on the kind of person you are, because generally people who are creative, um, you know, math, money is numbers, right? And so what we do is we associate math and money, like math and it's, it's a similar thing. Like if you got a book and you're in math, you're learning how to, to go in and add and subtract and figure those things out. And so what we tend to do is then we tend to be scared of it. So this translation of I'm not good at it makes us then feel like I don't want to be around it because I make bad, you know, which then translates into I make bad decisions with it, um, which then translates into just I don't even want to see it, which then translates into debt and sadness. <laughs> right. Um, and so, right, right. so yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you, I, well, I think this about anything in your business or your life, right. If you're avoiding it, right. Like if you can't ha- make a daily habit of looking at it, then there's something deeper there. There's something that happened in your childhood Mm -hmm. or that you're like, people don't even realize it. I'll have conversations with people from a sales perspective. I'll be like, how do your parents talk about sales? Like if a salesperson calls them or back in the day when people used to knock on the door or you go into a, you know, into a a store and there's sales or there's sales reps, or you go to, you know, buy a TV or a car, whatever. How, How do your parents treat salespeople and what do they say about them? And that tells me a lot about, the dynamic of how they were brought up and what to believe about sales. And the same thing is about money. Um, Was your family a family that saved? Was your family a family that was always angry that they didn't have enough money? I mean, I have a good friend where their family just said that, you know, uh, they were taught in their church that if to have money um, is bad, having money is bad. Like, you know, if you're a good person, good, good people suffer. That's how, you know, you're doing it right. I was like, that is the worst belief system to have. (laughs) Like, I'm so, I just don't believe that we have to, we live in a world where you have to be suffering in order to be good. Like, that's just a silly, just like, I don't believe I was just on a podcast yesterday and I don't believe work is bad. I'm so sick of people saying parenting is hard, you know, and it's this bad thing. Hard is not bad. Working and and things being hard is literally what Preach. makes life worth living. Like you, you know, you don't climb yes. a mountain because it's easy. You get to the freaking top of the mountain because you have done so many hard things to get there. And because, you know, 99% of the other of other people never got there because they didn't work hard enough. Like hard work is the <laughs> best and people who make it seem bad. Like that's why kids are the best. It is so hard. It is so hard. But you know what? When I see my daughter be creative and build things and do things and I see the kind of person her and my son are becoming, the joy amidst all of the, the hardness is so immense. And it's like getting to the top of the mountain and every, every week or month or year, I get to get to the top of another mountain. So yeah, it's like, we're told all of these things about money and, and they're all true. If you believe that they're true. And the problem with that is, is that if you believe that you're bad with money, then it's true. You're bad with money. If you believe that you don't deserve to make enough money, then you don't deserve to make enough money. Whatever you believe is true is true. And so if you control what is true, right, then why wouldn't you want, something that's more fulfilling for you, more freedom for you, more flexibility for you to be true. And, and we've got to get to a space where people can start to really understand that. Oh, the children, I'll let you answer one second. The children are here. (laughs) Yes. My favorite part. I I will tell you that um, one of the funniest things I find is like you said that the women are told they're bad with money 
which is hysterical to me because, you know, the statistics show that, that women, they're, they're in charge of a lot of times the personal finances for the, for the family. Mm-hmm. And they're also, you know, the ones that are the decision makers around, you know, money in the family. And, and those statistics like bear out. But yet we would yet we people tell women they're not good with money. But, but yet you're not good with money, but make all these decisions around money for our family. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. It's just like go left well, and go well, right at the same time. But that's also because it's, women manage money. If, if statistically men are the ones that are actually, I say statistically, I have no idea if yeah, this, this is true, this but in my mind, yeah. this is true. Let me just preface this with, I don't have a study based on this, but from what I have seen in the market, women manage money, men are in charge of growing money. Those are two different things. So women are the ones that are supposed okay. to nickel and dime. They're supposed to yell at you. If we spend too much money, they're supposed to set the budget that, that puts limitations on money. And men's job is to grow the money. Men are the ones that are investing. Men are the ones that are having the, you know, the careers. And, and like I say, this is all a generalization because I, I was married to a banker. So he managed the money, you know, and, and I didn't do any of this. So it's, it's different in each family, but generally that's a lot of what happens is women are the budgeters. And the problem with that is it creates a scarcity mindset where we believe then that it's all about what we don't spend. It's all about what we don't do. It's all about saying no to things so that we can stay in our budget. Right. And so then we get into business and you have to invest in business. Then we start going, Oh my gosh, well, this person says they're going to make me all this stuff. And then we get duped into spending a lot of money. That's unhelpful for us because we don't understand how to grow money. So profitability is a very foreign notion to us because most moms, if went before they've started their business, we don't deal with profit. We deal with budgets. Right. And that's a very different way to shift from the scarcity mindset of how much we have and living within our means as a concept to growing our means. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's mind blowing right there. People, you need to go back and listen to that about a thousand times because (laughs) that is, because it's true. When I work for um, a lot of older people would come in that that maybe self-manage their investments for their whole life and want an investment manager because they were like, well, what if I die? What if the husband was like, what if I die? My wife doesn't know and doesn't know about the investments, but she has, she's been the budgeting. She's been that person, which I always find funny. And the other thing I'll say about that, and this is a little aside, but um, like budgeting historically is this restrictive kind of thing. That's about a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. where I believe that, Budgeting is what enables you to grow your business. I believe in a freedom budget that gives you the um, freedom to spend money how you want it, when you want it, and where you want it, on what you want it. But um, you'll just know what else you're giving up for that. So um, I believe budgets are empowering and freeing Mm -hmm. and future oriented and not like their traditional budget, which is scarcity and like controlling so um i I love that i'm gonna work that into a lot of things yeah also i think too like we all have to find whatever system or person makes sense for our brain right so like you look at things a different way so if people have have worked with traditional tools or traditional things and they and they're not making sense to them or they're or they're avoiding them right then then something like what you you know your freedom budget like taking a different approach is what you should do so so for me for a long time on my personal side not my business side but my personal side i have been um you know, trying to do a budget where you get an app and you put in all these expenses you do all these things and it was very very cumbersome to me it was very confusing to me and then i wouldn't keep up with it And I finally found, I was like, okay, I got to try a different approach. So I finally found this app. I've gone through a couple different apps like this, but I found the one that works for me and it's called weekly. And what I do is I put in my, my fixed expenses, right? It's just, I don't have to change it. I don't have to look at it. All it is, is I put in my fixed expenses of like the kids, you know, activities and, and, and mortgage or rent or whatever it is. And then it gives me this little countdown of what my weekly like money is. This is how much money you have. So you said you want to save this much. You said you got all these things, whatever it is you want. And then this is how much you've got 
whatever, you know, anybody's budget is. And then, and so it tells me every week I can spend that. So all I do is I am entering my transactions, right? When I go into the grocery store, I just pop it up and I say, okay, I've got a, you know, that was $40 groceries or whatever. And it ticks down the timer. And so for me on, by the end of the week, I have an idea of how much I can spend that week to stay. And if I go over, then I know I'm going to have less next week. And I have to make a conscious decision about that. And, and what I do is I have a, a little tiny set of core habits that I want to keep. Right. And one of my habits is that I just entered my transactions for that day. Like that. I just used the app. That's what the habit is, is use the app. Right. And so I've told myself <laughs> I'm going to use the app. And for the last three months, I've been, it's been working really, really well. And it's shown me how much I'm spending in the simplest way that, that I can do. So I've, I'm not trying to do any of the other apps. I don't need all of the, I want simplicity. So I'd say for people to find, just, just explore other avenues, explore other viewpoints, explore other ways of looking at your money, like using the freedom budget. And if it, and if it doesn't work for somebody right? Then be like, Nev, this isn't working for me because my brain works this way. And then you'd go, oh, we'll try this, right? Because one right. size doesn't fit right. all. And when we look at the way money is thinking, oh, well, there's got to be one way that you budget. Screw that. Like do whatever is going to actually work for you. And if you can't, if, it, if you don't have something that isn't start then go down the rabbit hole, figuring out what kind of person you are, what motivates you, like what, what your hangups are and what your, you know, what your baggage is so that you can unravel and figure out what system will work for you because, because it, it has to be, it has to be something that's individual. But the great part about that is, is that there's so many individuals in the world that there are trends. And so there is somebody who invented somebody, something, you know, like you're one of them that is a system that works for a particular kind of person. You know, and, and you got to find it. You just, just find, just don't give up because, because it has, it is not that you don't know money. It is not that you're bad at something. It is not any of those things. You just, you can't give up. Like getting to the top of the mountain is having the money you want, right. Feeling good about it, knowing where it's coming from, knowing where it's going in the, in the way that makes sense for your brain and not feeling like there's something wrong with you. Like that's the goal at the, at the top of the mountain. And so everybody just has to not give up in finding thing that's going to work for them yeah no no exactly 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 i i i absolutely love that let's just uh um wrap up here with one more question yeah uh and i think it's it's a question that i see people like all throughout my career i've seen people like like really struggling with this and i think you've really nailed it um picking a niche uh it's it's they say the the riches are in the niches or niches depending where you're from, so um and I always think it's like you uh your marketing should be towards a niche all your marketing efforts all your marketing budget everything like that should be towards going after a niche like mothers who have businesses and um but that and people don't do that because I think they're just scared of giving up too many sales on the back end if they're not exactly in that niche i think you've done that perfect because i am neither a woman shockingly and <laughs> i don't have kids because i would be arrested for child abuse like 20 some years ago so um i don't actually think what that's true <laughs> that is also a limiting to belief that men men often think but but go on i digress <laughs> yeah. no yes yes maybe that needs to be cut because that might be offensive no i would just know with child no, let me give you an example my sister, she gave me, I took one of my nephews to um, the bathroom one day, day, and I was like, okay. And then he, and I had him wash his hands and everything like that. And he's washing his hands. And um, I'm like, okay, wash your hands. And I turn away and he washes his hands. And he comes out of the bathroom like soaked because he's reaching up above his head to wash his hands and the water's just pouring all the way down him. And they bring him out and he's soaked. And Maribel's like, what the hell happened? I'm like, I don't know. I told him to wash his hands. He used the bathroom. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that. One time I was taking him to the movies and they wanted to use the bathroom. I'm like, well, go. <laughs> he was like four. <laughs> I was like, go to the bathroom. I'm watching the movie. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that either. So, um, anyways, though, so that. I would argue in some so countries there's four-year-olds that walk miles to school. So it just it just depends how you're how you're brought up, how you're brought up. But yes, exactly, niches. Exactly. So, niches. Um yeah, okay. So so here's the thing. So I do have one-on-one clients. 
um, not in our membership because most men aren't going to really feel like they, they'll, they'll like our content, but the community probably won't give them as much because everybody else is woman. Um, but I do have people that come to me, um, that are, that are, don't have kids or that are, or that are men. And so that's, that's possible, but it's not just that I picked women, right? It's, I also picked women who have already started their business. Right. And, and a lot of the women who mm -hmm. actually come to us are not the marketing women, not the women who are doing the marketing, but the women who marketing is, they don't want to be a marketing expert. Right. So we get a lot of women who are in professional services. They're bringing their, you know, have uh, degrees or have done something and gotten a result and now want to show somebody how to do that. And um, and so they're coming in and and they want somebody else to be their their marketing expert. Like they don't want to have to be amazing and they don't want to be online. So I, I like I could go down the line of all the ways we are very specific about who we want to serve. And, and there's a couple really important things about that. So number one is it dictates what I make because you talked about pricing. Right. And if you have a million products mm -hmm. because you're trying to serve everybody and you just make whatever people ask for, then you don't have. Uh, then you have too many products. Pricing them becomes hard. Deciding what you're going to market uh, becomes hard. All It dilutes all of those things, right? Having a simple set of products or services um, or things that you offer is, is going to be more lucrative for you. And then you can refine. You can refine and refine and refine, right? And and so that's the first thing is that if you don't, don't really niche down. And I even told, I had a conversation with somebody who is builds funnels and they build funnels for, um, they want to, you know, go after moms who have businesses. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but that's still not really a niche. Like that's still an insanely huge group of diverse people. Mm -hmm. I was like, what you could say is there's a massive rise. And well, again, I don't have studies for this. I've just seen this in our space. So in my space, I have noticed that there is a big rise in moms who have had luck with because of uh, them or their kids have autoimmune disorders. There's nutrition, there's fit, all these things in the holistic wellness space. I was like, you could build funnels for moms who are running businesses, you know, coaching businesses in the holistic wellness space. And now all of a sudden building those funnels or those websites, you can have templates that are specific to that industry. And now, now you're niching down and now you become a, you know, a, a, a funnel in a box for women who are building holistic wellness businesses. Bam. That's now that now you're talking because women, even just women isn't deep enough. Women entrepreneurs isn't deep enough, you know, and, and you, and so people start to think, oh yeah, well, I've got you, like you said, like, I'm not going to, there's so many other people I could serve or how maybe the niche is too small and I'm not going to get clients. But what you do is if you niche down like that, you do the other thing, which is so insanely important to your success, which is you build authority in that space. You build authority for that. So I am, if I just was another person who did marketing and sales and taught you how to build automated systems and evergreen, I don't have enough marketing spend to win in that market. Right. You know, you've got Russell Brunson who's right. teaching the one funnel away and you've got someone over here, you know, everybody over here, um, you know, you've got affiliate marketing, you've got podcasting and, and evergreen and, and all those things you've got creating courses, you know, all the stuff. And everybody always says, I'm going to help give you flexibility, give you freedom. I'm going to make you more money. I'm going to get you more clients. I don't, I, so I wouldn't stand out, but me helping moms. And it is a passion for me. Like when I, when I want to build a profitable business that is charitable, I want it to be for moms and single moms is also one that I'm particularly passionate about. And so picking this niche has allowed me to build authority in that space. And now I have a community that over the past, you know, six years has grown to where over the past three years, I get asked to go and speak at social media marketing world. When we used to go and speak, you know, um, I get asked on podcasts, <laughs> I, I get asked on parenting podcasts, right? I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not any of those things, but I have built this space where I have authority. And if you Google my name, I am about 10 pages deep of people who have featured me on various topics dealing with motherhood, entrepreneurship, marketing, all of these things. So when you see you get to you and you're a mom, you look at that and go, Dana is the one. And a lot of our marketing is specific to moms in the sense that it's like you need to stop taking advice from people who don't understand what your schedule and your life looks like. Right. You have to stop hanging out with people who right. tell you that your business has to be your number one priority when you know your family is your number one priority, but your business is just so yes, that I just now like the chaos is starting to ensue in my own home. I think I think we've hit the max amount of time that my children will be quiet. <laughs>
Yeah, we had four questions in this podcast lined up. You know, this is, this is what happens when Dan and I talk. We have four questions lined up. I was supposed to be playing golf 15 minutes ago and all of a sudden it took, you know. I know. How, that's, you're so lucky. You, you hour, get to go play so. golf and I've, I've got to go figure out what is wrong with my child. <laughs> so, no, I think, I think, I think, I think you're so on point with all that kind of stuff. And I will tell you, being all, all that stuff that she did to build up for moms, put her on a stage of a mastermind I was at that, you know, a very small mastermind that was um, high dollar mastermind. And I saw her speak. And when she first stood up and he, and he, and the guy brought in a, a, uh, uh, somebody that was um, talked to single, talked to um, moms with, with uh, businesses. I'm like, what the hell does she have to teach me? Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I, I was like, well, I guess I got to waste the next half hour sitting here. And then what she didn't tell you is all this kind of um, uh, stuff that she just did. Actually, though, she, like two weeks ago, she was on the Today Show. So um, because of everything she had built up, you know, now that, you know, she gets national recognition for all of that kind of stuff. So, well, Dana, I super appreciate your time. Um, and I will go let you be sure that your house isn't burned down. So, and I will talk to you soon. I've got to go. I've got to go tend, tend to the emotional, you know, fragileness of a six-year-old little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. All right. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate everything. <laughs> All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the Profit and Impact podcast with Dana Mallstaff. We'll be back next week, most likely with me talking about something to do with profit and impact. You know, one of the rants I go on when something I think it's going to be on the um, Mayo Clinic where I was just at and how fantastic I think they are. OK, that's a wrap, people. Say bye, Dana. Bye. That was the Profit and Impact podcast with Nev Harris. For a full recap of this show, or for more info on making more profit and impact with your agency or freelance business, visit nevharris.com. If you liked this episode, show us some love. Give us a rating and comment over on iTunes and help Nev get the message out to more agency owners and freelancers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.